With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Love having your company for Dwayne's World and for Midday Madness. Love taking so many of your calls and your texts. Good to talk some sport with you. And always good to broadcast live from the Australian Open. Although today, damn hot and too hot for play to continue on the outside court. So the heat policy has been invoked. Uh, still be able to have play under the roof, but there'll be longer breaks and all that kind of stuff. We'll keep you in touch with everything that's happening at the Australian Open. Thanks to Kia, the all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar, a pinnacle of engineering Kia EV6 GT, the most powerful Kia ever crafted. There has been a lot happening at the Australian Open. And we've got Stuart Fraser from The Times to join us to have a little bit of a chat about what's been happening from a world perspective because we get caught in our little Australian bubble at times. Stuart, great to have you on. I appreciate you giving us some time. Welcome. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. So it's been an interesting open. How have you read it? What's been the headline stories for you writing for The Times in the UK as opposed to us talking about Kyrgios all the time and people like Alex Dumanor and those kind of things, Ash Barty not playing in the lead-up? Yeah, well, it's interesting there you talk about it from an international perspective because actually one of the biggest stories for us yesterday was still the withdrawal of Kyrgios. Um, that came as quite a surprise after... He sort of picked himself up last week, topping himself up as one of the favourites. Um, we watched him play in that practice match against Djokovic on Friday night, although it was a bit of hit and giggle at times. He, he didn't look too bad, but uh, I have to say I thought the physio was quite convincing in, in what his explanation he gave alongside Kyrgios at the press conference yesterday. Uh, so that's definitely been one of the biggest stories, uh, stories for us. Um, and then obviously, from a British perspective, keeping a close eye on Emma Raducanu, who plays Coco Golf in the second round. So, why are we all so obsessed with a guy who's never won a Grand Slam? Why does it all become about Nick Kyrgios so often? I think because of what he brings to the court and what he brings off it as well, to be quite frankly honest. Um, I see the hits he gets, you know, the clicks and whatever else. um, And there's arguably no one more interesting in tennis at the moment from that sort of wider perspective. Um, There's better players for sure. Um, but he brings a very interesting and unique personality to the sport and a lot of controversy and, and, and often that drives a lot of interest and ultimately um, some people might disagree but that is good for tennis. So he could be unique in that he could be one of the most memorable tennis stars that we've had you know, in the year, 100 years of tennis without even winning a Grand Slam. His longevity in the game He's 27 years of age now. If he can get this knee right, he's still got a lot of years left. He might never win a Grand Slam because he might never give it 100%. He might always be that 70% enjoy my tennis, 30% enjoy my life kind of guy. He's still going to end up being a squillionaire. So, uh, and he's still going to have huge demand when it comes to appearance fees to head to tournaments. So he could be the guy that changes it all. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's interesting you say that about um, where he sort of ranks and... <laughs> 
and uh, I suppose the world rankings of controversial characters throughout the years because yes, John mm. McEnroe, as controversial as he was, he did back it up on the court with, with several Grand Slam titles. So he was at the top of the game, world number one. Uh, whereas that hasn't quite happened yet for Kyrgios. He's come close. He was runner-up at Wimbledon last year. And I have to say he got a lot of interest in the UK last year. It was very interesting to follow that. Um, did well to win the doubles here last year. Um, I think it would be a disappointment, though, if he doesn't finish his career, or if he finishes his career even without winning a Grand Slam title, because no doubt he's got the talent. It's just putting it together for seven matches in a row. So why does tennis ebb and flow in the history of some countries? I mean, Australia, we've had some really good patches. It dies. We've also had some, you know, we've had a pretty good regular run of stars. In the UK, how's it going at the moment? And what's the priority for kids when it comes to wanting to aspire to be a sports person in this particular sport in the UK? It's interesting because um, a few years ago when it appeared that Andy Murray was close to retirement, I, as a tennis correspondent for a British newspaper, was starting to fret a little. I was thinking, what's round the corner? <laughs> Am I going to have a job in a few years' time? Um, and then all of a sudden, an 18-year-old qualifier comes along and wins the US Open title, and that changed the game completely. The interest levels in Emma Raducanu are, are quite remarkable. They astonish me uh, still now. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you a story. One of, uh, one of the articles uh, featuring comments from one of our former coaches last year, Dmitry Tursunov, he raised some concerns about some red flags behind the scenes. That was in the top five of stories read on the entire Times website, ranking up there with stories about the Ukraine war and uh, chaos in number 10 at the time as well. So... Um, that just shows you the level of interest at the moment, and, and I think a lot of young girls are looking up to her. And the level of interest in women's sport in general in the UK, how does it compare now? It's, it's obviously um, better now, the coverage for women's sport, than it's ever been, as it is in this country. No doubt about it. Um, and possibly in tennis, before Emma broke through, um, we were a bit too skewed in our coverage of, of the men's game. But that was in part, or, or mostly, because... You know, we had three of the greatest players of all time playing at the same time, and Andy Murray trying to battle along with them as well. So that was the reason for that. But yeah, Emma Raducanu certainly helped raise the profile for women's sport that way. So where is the tournament right now? If if well, we don't have Federer playing, Ash Barty's not playing, Kyrgios has pulled out. Is it still getting the clicks in your country that you were hoping for? Yeah, it's still getting the interest. It's broadcast... Uh, live uh, on, on satellite television over there. Uh, a lot of people have access to the particular channel it's on. So, um, yeah, obviously during the night, um, the ratings, I imagine, will be down. But uh, the night session times quite well. People can have their breakfast in the morning and, and watch a bit of tennis along with it before they head to work. So, um, yeah, there's, there's still a lot of interest in the tournament. Uh, yeah, from, from home, there was a lot of interest in particular in the return of Novak Djokovic. I mean, that was an astonishing saga last year i still can't believe it happened sometimes it was 10 days were, were mm. a blur certainly um the, the amount of words i was churning out on that but uh yeah he's back this year and it's been quite interesting to follow the reaction as well at times it's, it's felt like a homecoming for djokovic yeah it's a different perspective the world would have on the handling of the novak djokovic situation as opposed to melburnians who were in the middle of this COVID lockdown and such strict um, rules that we had to follow, you know, sometimes you couldn't even move past your own letterbox. That's how strict it was. So it, it was it was a bizarre you know, world that we were living in here in Melbourne. And then the, 
the Djokovic story happened in the middle of it, which made us all, it was a very divisive story, made us all try and work out what we think is best. Here we are, a situation right now that the tournament kind of desperately needs Novak to stay in it. And there's a thought that he's got a hamstring issue as well. It's going to be huge as a loss for the tournament if he does bow out early. I know he's playing tonight, so all eyes are going to be on him tonight. Yeah, I know what you mean, because tennis, it always moves on regardless of the you know, the players who might be injured or the players who might retire or disappear for a while. But it does feel this year in particular that, that we are without a few of the, the star names. Obviously, that partly is due to the retirement of, of some of them last year, in particular Ashley Barty from a home perspective, Serena and Roger um, from an international perspective as well. Um, but, yeah, tennis always moves on somehow. And um, I, I think we've still got lots to look forward to over the next fortnight. So the heat policy has been invoked, so they still play under the roof at Rod Laver Arena, but outside courts, they've had to stop it. Not sure if you wandered around the outside courts earlier, but it is melting, melting temperature right now. Yeah, it's so hot. I mean, it's funny, actually, just before I came on, I was actually just checking my, uh, my I've got a ring camera on my back door, and it's actually snowing back home at the moment. <laughs> so uh, the, the difference is quite... Uh, quite something uh yeah i was out at court seven watching a bit of dan evans earlier and um yeah tough to watch never mind play and they've um cracked down on russian flags as well in the crowd it's been a pretty big story here today how big has that been in the uk yeah i i've actually uh just before i came on as well finished writing a story about that uh that is a big big deal um I, i'm surprised they were allowed in in the first place uh it's a bit bemusing that organisers were not a bit more hot in that um, because, you know, why would you be bringing a flag other than, than to uh, to hang it and, and, and fly it? Um, so, yeah, I think that was a bit of a shame for the tournament yesterday um, concerning that it was a match involving a, a Russian competing as a neutral against a Ukrainian player, uh, given what's going on back home in Europe at the moment. Um, but thankfully the, the tournament have made the right decision today. Do you think we should get to a stage where we actually eject people if they go to a Ukrainian tennis person's match and display the Russian flag? I think that should be considered. Um, I I know it's complicated. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's the same for the players as well. It's not necessarily that every Russian player on tour supports what's going on at the moment. In fact. If anything, it's actually very much the opposite way. But um, if it makes a Ukrainian feel uncomfortable on the court, given what's happening in their home country at the moment to, to family and friends, um, we just need, you know, look at the some of the images over the last few days of some of the attacks. Um, yeah, I, I think we should be doing everything we can to, to make the Ukrainians feel comfortable here. Talking to Stuart Fraser from The Times in the UK. Stuart, how is Craig Tiley viewed? internationally he he seems to be a he's a doer here he gets jobs done he's been around a long time uh, he's got an edge to him as well he's not afraid to speak his mind and become a headline uh, how's he viewed worldwide uh, i think there's a lot of admiration for what he's done through the years um he's turned this event into uh, yeah one of the premier grand slams for sure um I, it, it's one of the tournaments i really enjoy coming to uh, and, and the transformation in the site from when I first came in about, I think, 2008. It's quite remarkable, actually. A lot of money spent here. Um, I, I'm surprised he's still in position after last year. I, I'm, I'm not sure I thought I, he would survive that. He has. Um, that was the, the decision of, of the TA board, I guess. But, uh, 
Yeah, he's. Um, I, I I'm a bit disappointed though, and I, but I know why he's doing this. That it often seems a regular thing that that he he puts forward this threat that the tournament might move from Australia. Uh, or even Melbourne, I, I'm sorry, that's just not going to happen. The Australian Open is one of the four pillars of the sport. Um, it's staying here. It's not going anywhere. So you can see through it as well. It's obviously a push to get another uh, stadium built. It's continuing the infrastructure to continue to make it better and unpinchable, if you like. So there's a game that he's playing with the governments every year? That seems to me to be the case. Um, there's been plenty of money spent here. The t facilities are great. The players really enjoy it. I never hear any moans about from the players about the facilities here. Everyone's quite happy. Uh, look at the crowds coming through. Uh, going for a record this year again. Uh, and given the, the attendance on the first day, it looks like they'll get it. Um, this tournament's in a, a perfectly fine position. Looking forward to talking to you in the second week, Stuart, if we can, uh, tapping into your brain as well to get an update as to, well, who wins it, do you think? Who wins the men's? Who wins the women's in your eyes? Can you uh, come back to me and ask me after I watch <laughs> Novak Djokovic tonight? <laughs> yeah. Because I would say that he's he's obviously the clear favourite, um, but much depends on this hamstring. I mean, it, it did look like it was heavily taped up at practice yesterday, so we'll see how he plays in a match. Um, uh, on the women's side, Sviontek came through last night. It can be tricky sometimes for a, you know, for a top seed in their first match, just getting used to the... The, the pressure, the conditions settling in, um, but it, it really is hard look, to look past her. I'm sorry, I'm not exactly putting my neck in the line there with both tops, uh, both both uh, clear tournament favourites. Let me ask you one that uh, might get you off the fence for, um, who's the greatest male player you've seen? Is it Federer? Is it someone else? Is it Djokovic? Yes, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, I think I admire all three of them for their different qualities. In terms of the player, probably I've watched close up. I, I was lucky enough actually two years ago to watch a practice set really close up at Wimbledon. There was only about 30 of us there because the doors were closed uh, watching Roger Federer play Andy Murray. And, and even still a couple of years ago, it, it was still amazing to, to watch Roger close up. I, I think what he brought to the, to the sport is, uh, is unrivaled. Great to have you and we'll talk soon. Hopefully, Stuart, we'll let you mull that question over about who wins it and might ask you next Monday. Thanks <laughs> okay. for joining us. Okay, cheers. Thanks. Stuart Fraser from The Times in the UK is in demand, so better let him go. Your thoughts, though, if you've got a call, you want to jump on the line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. that open line, brought to us by Werribee Kia, Werribee Kia awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Got a huge new and used car stock down at Werribee Kia, so drop in and see the team, David, Janan, Aid, Jim, and the whole team at Werribee Kia, they'd love to see you. And all our Australian Open updates are for Kia, the all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar, a pinnacle of engineering Kia EV6 GT, the most powerful Kia ever crafted. Still plenty to come, but a couple of your calls and your texts. One here on the captaincy of Aaron Finch. Finch is the best captain we have had since Ian Chappell, Ken from Fraser Rise. And there are a lot of people who, if you didn't know how good Finch was before he had the microphone for that BBL game, then we certainly know how good he is now. They were never in a position to win that, the Renegades, and yet he captained their way from, I think, about a 10% chance of winning that to actually winning it. And it was brilliant to be in on the show. We'll take a break. More of your calls next.